Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions. That's what I'm going to do for you for listening to Money Making Conversations. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. My next guest is Mark Chef. Let me put the word chef in front of him. Marcus Samuelson. He's an award-winning chef, restaurateur, best-selling author, TV personality, philanthropist, and food activist. His culinary career spans over 25 years, has numerous restaurants in the U.S. and internationally, including Red Rooster, Marcus B&B, Norda, Marcus, Mar- Marcus Montreal, and more. His newest book is called The Rise, Black Cooks, and the Soul of American Food. The book is celebrating contemporary black cooking, highlighting the food, culture, and history, and stories, and recipes. The book covers the diverse contributions and, tr- and traditions that influence black cooking and American culture from African African continent to the Caribbean and U.S. We have a lot to talk about, about the process of creating the book, calling it, naming it, the rise, black cooks, and the soul of American food. Why did he write the book? How did he decide this was the next book that he wanted to do? So he's here, y'all. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Chef Marcus Samuelson. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> My man, I'm going to tell you something. When you write a book like that, first of all, you love food, don't you, Chef? You just love food. Yeah. Let's get that out. Let's get that out front because when I see, when I, I've read past books and I've just followed you on TV, that's like a twinkle in your eye because you, 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 I love the way you dress too. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a clothes <laughs> man. So, so I, you got to look. See, I, I, I've interviewed a lot of chefs over the years. You are probably the best dressed chef I've seen to date. Can you take well, that? Well, I can say that I also love food than more than anybody else in the other five. You know, that that is the kitchen has given me license to travel and live my dream uh-huh. all over the world. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And of course, as a black man, you gotta bring your stuff with it. Of course. Well, no, 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 I'm telling you, Chef. Give yourself your due, man. Because everybody don't have that style. You got the hats, you got the vest, you like light colors, green, yellow. You know, you know how to put it together, patterns, squares. See, I, I, I wear a lot of tailored clothes. And so, so mm-hmm. you, you're much more daring, but I just say that in a, in a complimentary way because I'm a, you know, I wear but a lot I, of suits. My and stuff. neighbor. You know, my block is amazing, right? Living in Harlem, you right. know this. Mm-hmm. It's such an amazing village, you know? So my neighbor is Mr. Dapper Dan. Right, 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 right. So whatever I put on, I'm still far behind because the man, dad, <laughs> just everything. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because so. I, I, I lived in New York. I lived, last time I was up in New York, I was up, Steve Harvey and I was up there from 2005 to 2007. And I lived at mm-hmm. 40, uh, 39th and 1st. And then previously when I was up there, I was at 86 and 1st. So I was all the way up into Harlem. And I've been by your mm-hmm. restaurant, by the way. I've not met you, but I've been by your restaurant. Because when it opened, it was always, a, it was always hard yeah. to get in. It was always hard to get in. Yeah. Okay. It was and hard to get in. Always hard, which is a compliment. It's a compliment, okay? Mm-hmm. And now, so tell us about the restaurant uh, in in Harlem, and uh, and tell us how the 
let's let's talk about the reality of what we live in today, the COVID-19 and mm-hmm. how these the country's been shut down and New York State is still dealing with yeah. a lot of issues. Talk about that in your business. Yeah, no, we had to, on March 15th, we had a big decision to make. We had to pivot from being a traditional restaurant to be a community kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I partnered with my man, Jose Andres from World Central Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And we started to serve 1,000 people, 1,200 people, 1,500 people a day. So for six months straight from March 15th, until just last week, we served over 200,000 meals out You're of that restaurant. Me. We, we, we did the same in uh, um, uh, Red Rooster in Overtown in Miami. Mm-hmm. We did the same in Newark, where actually Michael B. Jordan helped us to do, to do that mm-hmm. as well. Because, you know, where restaurants are gone in our community, so is our neighborhood, right? So it was very important for me to really go back to what, what, is, what, what can we Imagine chefs as first responders. Imagine us out there and and saving and be part of restoring a community. And that's what we did. And it was a powerful. And, and I read about that mm-hmm. and because of the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, black restaurants in general, well, a lot of them weren't ready for the um for the for the um business model, the new business model to go mm-hmm. uh, Uber Eats and all that service because they were traditional sit in dining facilities, and so mm-hmm. so a lot mm-hmm. of them suffered. A lot of them didn't get the PPP check that enabled them yeah. to keep the doors open. But then out of all that, you've been able to publish a book, and in the book that comes out that we're about to discuss is called The Rise: Black Cooks and the mm-hmm. Soul of American Food. Now I'm from Houston, Texas, so I'm on, I like to consider that one of the heart of the South Cities, and I also live in Absolutely. Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. So, so, and I've, I've lived in Chicago. I'm just giving you the range of who you're talking to here, Marcus. Mm-hmm. I've lived in mm-hmm. Chicago mm-hmm. four years. I lived in New York two years. I've been living in Atlanta since 2007. I lived in Los Angeles 15 years, and I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. So. I have wow. and I have been all over this country and ate fantastic food. I still believe Chicago is the best place to eat across the board. We're mm-hmm. talking about variety. Mm-hmm. Can't nobody top Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's my estimate. Now, what do you think is the best place in, in this country to eat before we get into your book? Well, well, I, th- I tell you what, there is a couple of places that people might not have as number one, but I tell you, Houston is a great food city because Ooh, it's yes. very diverse. Yes, it's yes, one it of is. the most diverse cities in America, and people don't know about that because it's in Texas. Right? Yes, sir. My boy Chris you think Williams. About the food, the, Vietnam, mm-hmm. the Vietnamese food, uh, of course, the black food that comes out of, uh, out of uh, Houston, but also amazing Indian food and Mexican food, yes, Mexican American food, of course. So Houston is, is a, don't sleep on Houston. That's I, I, a great food city as well. But, but I don't want to sound selfish. You know, people say, oh, he's from Houston. He would <laughs> say that, you know, but Houston, I'll tell you something. Dining out in Houston is amazing because of the fact, like you say, yeah. I mean, Tex-Mex, don't barbecue. You, oh, my goodness. You know, then you got the mm-hmm. just down the road is New Orleans. So you've got that flavor coming yeah. into Houston and then fish all the because we're in the Gulf of Mexico. So you got all sure. those varieties that you were talking about. And it is a very diverse city from from the type of from, from Indian food is fantastic there and and so so yes you're you're right so I I, I will I will put I always put a crown on my 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 born city because it mm-hmm. does deliver but you're absolutely right so now we're now we're talking about this this book here that you've written that you created mm-hmm. why this book Marcus why did you write this book well we had to we had to because you know just as American history around black culture is not right so it's the same with food. And for me, it was very important with the chef, with the big platform. It was important for me to connect the dots that black excellence when it comes to food needs to be documented. And there needs to be hats off to the incredible 
legacy of what Black Chefs has done before us to set up this moment, right? Mm-hmm. You have, you know, even from Jeff- Thomas Jefferson's time, the, the, you know, the Black Chefs that he had going up to Miss Leah Chase that, you know, ran her restaurant, you could take still going on in New Orleans for 70 years. You know what I mean? Absolutely. To even to some people that are not as known, like someone like Georgia Gilmore that, you know, was raised money from MLK for the movement, for example. Mm-hmm. Then you have chefs like Sophia Wright that worked for Chef Linda B. Johnson, and she was the one that was convincing him that for the Black uh, right to vote, for example, mm-hmm. in 1964. Mm-hmm. So chefs, Black chefs have contributed in so many different ways. And then, you, of course, you look at Southern food, what we call today soul food. You can't talk about American food without the Black contribution. Think about Creole cooking, right? Think about barbecue. But wherever you find an American history book, you can't find us. And for me, it's real. It's all a value proposition. We have added worth. We have a value proposition that is not cannot be monolithic. We've added so much, and it was important to document it and present it in any way. Wow, we're talking to I'm talking. I'm talking to Chef Marcus Samuelson. Uh, his book, uh, "The Rise: Black Cooks and the Soul of American Food." Now, it's the book is broken up to five chapters. Correct? Uh, you said mm-hmm. next, yeah. the remix, the migration, mm-hmm. the legacy, and the origin. And like I said, mm-hmm. his little subtitles tied each to like the next where black food is headed, and then on the remix, black cooking integrates many cultures, which is so true. Mm-hmm. The migration influence of the American South, where I'm from. The the legacy, mm-hmm. old and new journeys from Africa to America. Let's talk right there because the diaspora, I hope I said that correctly, has been a, mm-hmm. a, a, a type of meal that is suddenly appearing across this country. I, I will tell you, I was first exposed to it when I used to take my family down to, uh, to Disney World in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And they uh, mm-hmm. they had a menu that's completely an African menu. In fact, they have a buffet. Yep. And that's what I was exposed to, that amazing, spicy, diverse menu of African food. And also have another restaurant there, which is a wonderful restaurant, which is a menu-driven restaurant as well. So that's what I got mm-hmm. exposed to that food. Why has there been such an explosion of, a, of the um, African menu in America? Well, I think because I think a couple of things. Internet. And opportunity to link and bridge. Like you can now, you know, a lot of my chef friends, they're going to Lagos to learn about food now the way they used to go to France or, 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 or Italy, right? That wasn't possible 15, 20 years ago. And I think about there's always been a back and forth between the continent of Africa and black excellence. You think about music, right? Think about how Fela and all the African-American musicians used to go to Africa, Stevie. Everybody went to Africa to learn. And now you have, you know, Afrobeats and you have hip hop that takes influences from that. So in music, the link blues, everyone knows where the blues truly come from, for example. But guess what? It wasn't just music that traveled like that. It was also food. So okra, right. How did it get here? Of course, it's the history with enslaved and slavery, right? Very difficult history to talk about, but it also brought us the food that we have. So just as much as the music came from Africa, and came to America as part of our black narrative. There's also linkage with the food, you know, peanuts, okra, you staples of American cooking comes from Africa. And for us, it's not today. It's an opportunity to share and, and talk about it and take, take something that was very dark and difficult to something positive. Well, it, is, it really is. And it's a, it is a, it's an interesting taste, a lot of colors. 
You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite, I think, purple yams. I've, 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 I've eaten. Mm-hmm. There you oh, go. Ooh, come on now, brother. I, I, I tell you, I'm a foodie now. I'm a foodie now. I love yep. eating great yep. food. Now, let's. You say Legos, and mm-hmm. I, I, I ran across that plantain menu mm-hmm. that's in your book. I believe it's in that yep. next next chapter. Yep. Now, see, yep. I'm a guy. The reason I got excited about that because I'm a guy. You know, I go into the store and I buy it in the store, just reheat it. That's what I do. You know, mm-hmm. Goya brand mm-hmm. was one of the brands, popular brands that I always yeah. had in my house. Okay. Now I see a nice little simple recipe in your book. Now, yeah. which, which, you know, like I said, you know, when you can, when you get these recipe books, sometimes they can be so daunting sometimes, chef, that you like, oh man, I can't cook with nothing in this book, but your book is different. Yeah. And also you, you, you the way you stylized your book, because you, you, you're honoring chefs and restaurants across the country. And that was a unique take that I've never seen any, any, any restaurant book because your boy, my boy, I want to say, I won't call him my boy because I went up there, I interviewed him on the show and I told him my wife and I was going to fly to Seattle and spend our weekend <laughs> anniversary. And we did. He was, it, yeah. yeah. And he was shocked. I, I said, Hey, man, I said, look, brother, look, I said, I, I go for good food. I looked online. I said, man, you got some food that I want to yeah. eat. And I went up to June Baby in Seattle. And you're very familiar with that. Now, Eduardo Jordan, straight yeah. out of Florida. Florida boy. Okay. We love, we love Eduardo. Uh, t- uh, that's talk- what we wanted to highlight, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted, I want to, there's so many black chefs in this country. Right. That are amazing. And Eduardo Jordan is one of them. And so is someone like Carla Hall. And so is someone like Nisha Arrington. And what you're ending up doing when you read the book, you can look at it as two ways. Hey, when we start the world up, no, open up again, and we're going to start traveling. So you can look forward to go to Seattle and go to Eduardo's Westport. Mm-hmm. You can look at this book as, hey, I live in Atlanta. Okay, who in Atlanta should I link up with? Maybe your company wants to do a, a, a corporate buyout. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Who is, because the book, after COVID, Black businesses, black food entrepreneurs going to need our business more than ever. Right. So this book, not only did I do a deeper dive on 40 chefs and storytellers across the country, I also added another 200 black chefs and food writers in the back mm-hmm. with their Instagram handle. So no one can say to me, well, how do I find them? It's hard to find them. It's not hard to find them. In the rise, you can, you can find every single one. And and wherever your community is, I can guarantee you, someone is in wherever you live in this country. There is an amazing local black chef. Look her up. Look him up. He will need you more than ever. All right. I've, you know, here's the beauty of it. Like Beyonce, one of the big things she did over COVID was she called the parade, and the parade was just basically yes. a black shopping zone. Okay, and it just blew up. Young entrepreneurs who basically Beyonce just uh, touch you and anointed your business as credible, and you should at least, like you said, support it during these t- pandemic times. Now I'm hearing what you're doing because I I I follow you a little bit there, you know, because you're a great chef. And when I saw what you're doing, what do you because this sounds v- something like I would if you need some my support on social media to get the word out because I'm a natural foodie, and so but I've never mm-hmm. heard of anybody doing what you're doing with a national platform, kind of like a, 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 a phone book of, 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 yeah. of restaurants yeah. that you can go and go and, and dine fantastic. And, and because I travel a lot, I'm very familiar with what mm-hmm. you're talking about. And so I, 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 I have a call, Rushan Eats, okay? And so mm-hmm. on my social media, I got like, like almost a million Facebook followers. I, lo- I start supporting these 
on my 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 post and say go here and get photo. And now what Beautiful. I do is, I will, what I do is I do it every every Wednesday. I do a Rushan eats, and I just go to a restaurant or I hear about a restaurant that's been recommended to me. I get about ten photos from that restaurant, and I just tell people they should try it. And so if you if you like me too, I I support the cause and make all my selections black owned restaurants from your book. I love that. But that's that's what we need, right? Like we're in a moment. Think about this. Most books and content that is out there, we're not in it because it was not for us, right? right? So mm -hmm. the way we can actually navigate through this very challenging period, because you know COVID's going to stay in our communities longer than in others. Absolutely. You know, it impacted us more than any other community because of lack uh, uh, of healthcare and so on. So the only way we're going to be able to have black entrepreneurship in the food space left is by actually supporting each other. So what you're doing here with your platform, you're highlighting, you're broadcasting black excellence when it comes to food. And that was for really what inspired me. It's like, I was like, no, Marcus, you can't, Red Rooster is up. It's doing okay. It's mm -hmm. doing well. Mm -hmm. You know, we're opening in Miami in a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. right? So we're good. But it's not about me. This is really about the legacy that we leave behind. And there has to be a worth and a value system to work in food. And I'll give, I'll give you an example, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about Brother Nearest Green, Green Nearest Green is the one that came up with the recipe for Jack Daniels. Right. He never got $1 for uh, coming up with the recipe for Jack Daniels. Now, probably the most famous liquor brand in the world, top five famous liquor brand in the world. Right. Now, imagine if he would have gotten 10 cents on the dollar to, you know, his family, his his extended family, maybe there would have been a Nearest Green Museum, et cetera, right? When we get written out out of the authorship, of what we create, there's no link back to us. And it does many things. A, it hits economically. B, it also tells other black people that it's not, there's no value to be in food, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we brought barbecue to this country. Yes. We came up with a bourbon's recipe for this country, in this country. But yet, we completely written out out of the ownership and the authorship of that. And so we have to stop that. We have to support each other and find each other because our own economy, we can sustain black businesses and restaurants by supporting each other. I know that. Absolutely. And I 100% and I agree. And that's that's why I, I when I, I on my show, Money Making Conversations, a show about entrepreneurship and I get to interview CEOs and uh, celebrities, entertainers and influencers. And I have chefs uh, on my show more than anything because I know that the core of what we do in a black community mm. is, is food, good food. And uh, being able to support and make you guys really out of stars. You're, you know, you're the stars of the, of the plate. You're the stars of the kitchen. And it doesn't get recognized enough because people kind of just see you cooking. And you, like you said earlier, there's so much more influence that comes out of the kitchen based on who you talk to, who you serve, and who you communicate with. That sometimes it changes the outlook of the world. Yeah, no, it, it is. And it's also important because think about food, our food rituals are old, right? Like, mm. it's important to keep those in our, our community, right? The other part is also health. We can do better than that. We need to know, teach our community to eat healthier, but also environmental. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If we're going to leave leave off the world in a better place than we got it, cooking has a lot to do with that. How do we consume food? Where do we buy it? How can we do it in a greener context? And how can we make sure, for example, diabetes in our community is going to go down? Yes. Well, how we cook, how we eat is the answer to that. 
Absolutely. I'm talking to Chef Marcus Samuelson, his fantastic book, The Rise, Black Cooks and the Soul of American Food is who I'm talking to right now. A couple of things from the book, like I said, that left me mouthwatering the coconut fried chicken, because I'm going to tell you something, brother. Coconut is my number one thing I love to cook with. I've never, ever made coconut fried chicken. And then 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 you hit me with this one right here, Chef. The oxtail pepper pot with dumplings. Mm Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that your take on chicken and dumplings with a spin with oxtails? Come on, brother. With a spin, exactly. Oh, you know, we all love an oxtail, right? Come, come we all love that. Boy, I, 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 boy if you'd have been around, I'd have hugged you, chef, when I saw that yeah. oxtail pepper pot with dumplings. Yeah. Mm. There you go. That's that's good, man. That's good. And then and then and then say I'm I'm from Houston, Texas. And wild berries. When I was a kid, Mm -hmm. my parents used to take me out and we just go out and pick wild berries, man, and then put some sugar on them. And boy, that was the best dessert we ever had. Yeah. Just put some sugar on some on some wild berries. And brother, I tell you, that's a dessert right there. Now Mm -hmm. in this book here, you have the sweet wild berry pie. Tell us about that, sir. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Well, you know, berries, you know, I remember going with my grandmother picking berries, but, it, you know, you never know what you would get, you know, yes. and that's my whole point. Foraging was, you know, was not something to put on Facebook. It was actually something, you know, if you didn't pick the berries, I might get something on my neck for my grandmother. Right, <laughs> so, right. You know, the, <laughs> you know, you pick those berries up, you bring them back home, and then you make a jam. And then, you know, if you were lucky, you had a lot left over, then you can... You know, do a pie crust and mm. bake it. And that was the best pie ever, right? Because as a child, you were part of that. Whether yes. that was blueberries, or whether that was a black currants, whatever it was, right? And us going out foraging, we didn't know what we were going out for. Mm. We were looking. We found blueberries. We found lingonberries. Come on and now. It also depends and, on what And then they tell you, watch out for them snakes now. Watch out for them snakes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Am yes. I telling the truth, Marcus? Am I telling the truth? <laughs> of course. And I was always scared about it. But I had my grandmother. My, my grandmother, she knew how to cut the head off. Yes. A chicken and a snake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's great talking to you. I, I hope we maintain yeah. this relationship, man, because uh, you're, 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 you're a strong spirit and uh, and uh, these recipes. Like I, I'm gonna tell you, uh, 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 I would call it a meal or something, uh, but this is something I've become, I've fallen in love with, and it's in your book. And I never, for, and for years, I would just pass it up. Couscous. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love it. And you have a recipe called couscous and roasted fig. And I love it. I grew up, I had a fig tree in my backyard. A fig tree in the backyard. And we just go in. If anybody has a fig tree, you have figs forever. If you have a fig tree, Mm -hmm. it's like a plum tree. It just, they're just there forever. And so, but I've never seen this mix before. Talk about this couscous and roasted fig. Well, you know, it, we got to think about eating healthier and couscous is so light and bright it you know is. what I mean and then just you can add any fruit like if you're in the south you can also add peaches to that you need you can also add nuts to that so it's very easy right sometimes we have so much great food here and couscous is so easy to cook right you can soak it or just cook it for five minutes and steam it and then just folding your peach or your, or your figs for example some nuts some some beautiful fresh herb and you have a snack you have a lunch if you roast some chicken with that now you have dinner you know so we've got to you know we always have to sort of mix up our sides. And that's really the key, being to, by being introduced to different foods. But, you know, 
that's the key for us to change our diet so we're not always eating the same. And that's really important. And if, when I go through this book, like I said, you've heard me mention the, the plantains, the coconut fried chicken, mm-hmm. the oxtail pepper pot with dumplings, uh, many more recipes. I'm just, I just picked out a few of my favorites. Okay. Uh, the couscous and roasted fig. You heard me talk about here. Here's something I was, uh, I wanted to talk about the, the, my, my, at the Dookie Chase. That's in New Orleans. I've been there several times. Uh, like I said, I live from Houston, Texas. So my best friend, who's my best man at my wedding, he's from New Orleans. So I was always mm-hmm. in New Orleans. So I'm very familiar with Dookie Chase. Now, Lil Chase has a gumbo recipe in there. Yeah. Now, now, I want to get this straight here because, see, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see anything. People always hear to say the word roux. You got to have a roux for a gumbo. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what that is. I'm just going to let you know. I just I cook it just like Lil Chase does. You know, I just put Mm -hmm. I, I put it all in the pot. It all goes well. Yeah. And and because my wife the other day, you know, she was looking at the recipe. She was over there, you know, trying to, I got to get my roux right. I said, what are you talking about? Yes, yes, yes. Well, this is the thing that both of you guys are right, right? The roux is really the flour yes. and the butter mix and the flour and yes. the oil mix that you cook out. And you get that a little brown, right? Right. But what's happened, how a recipe has evolved is back in the day, you couldn't afford a lot of vegetables and a lot of seafood. So the way something was thickened was with a thick root, which everybody could afford, oil and flour. But as today, as cooking is now, as we can afford more things, we've actually cut down on the root and adding more okra, more more vegetables, and more seafood into it because the root itself doesn't really have a great taste. So that's why in modern recipes, the root is kind of cut out because it's all go. it is is flour and but you know, your wife is right. Traditionally, go way back. A roux was definitely there for that. I'm gonna tell you something, Marcus. I, 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 I mean, your wife is always right. Hey, right, hey, right hey, I, she, she, she's right. But look at her. I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't waste my time with that roux. I'm telling you something, Marcus. <laughs> I, I'm just like my girl Chase. I just, I just put it together mm-hmm. just like that. She uses fish stock. I use chicken stock. Yeah. I'm going yeah, to try the fish and chicken stock this time. That sounds like yeah, a good because yeah. that fish probably bring me a little natural salt into that, which is really mm-hmm. good for my natural form go. of cooking. But, it, but, but but I know we're running out of time here, but I want to bring up something that growing up, man, I grew up in uh, in the hood. Uh, I had six mm-hmm. brothers, two sisters. Both my parents stayed there. We lived in a two bedroom shotgun house. OK. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, my daughter, my father was a truck driver and my mom used to make hot water cornbread. Okay. And to this uh-huh. day, I cannot get that. And then I ran across uh-huh. this recipe, hoe cakes in your book. Yes. Yes. You know, and it, that's the whole point about bringing out things, quick things. I mean, think about it. In, think about this, how incredible our ancestors were, right? They had very little, but we still 200, 300 years later, still trading on these incredible recipes that our ancestors had. So the ingenious is in black cooking. You can't take it for granted. You, you gotta appreciate it. And the only way to do that is to document it, share it, and tell stories, right? So this, this is, you, you are really deep in the book when you find recipes like that. And it's like, we did that. We did that, you know what I mean? And that's what really what this book is about. It's about celebrating black chefs, past, present, and future. And, and that's what I wanted to tell you a little bit about me. In here, because I want to let you know how passionate 
and how detailed this book is because it hit home so many ways with me because my wife is from Belize. Okay. So that get that mm, culture yeah. from there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so I've, I've been fortunate to travel the world, especially in the Caribbean. So I'm very familiar with the food down yeah. there, you know, uh, uh, jerk pork is still one of the coolest meat or meat for me. Yeah. You know? And so, um, and when I come across a book, you know, Papa is shrimp and grits, the fried chicken and waffle, mm-hmm. peri peri sauce. I'm going like, Man, this is a fantastic book. But on top of that, you know, the book I'm talking about is The Rise, Black Cooks and the Soul of American Food. It's broken up into five chapters. Next, Remix is one chapter. Migration is one chapter. Legacy and Origin. But the fact that you are willing to promote the brand of black restaurants throughout this country. I'm a champion your cause. Marcus, I'm 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 gonna be right there with you, man, and I'm gonna start posting it every week in my social media. You know, and just and and just writing this book, I just want to tell a little bit of my life to show you how impactful this book affects me. I'm from the inner city. I've been fortunate to travel all over this world and I eat amazing food. A lot of the restaurant uh, chefs that you mentioned, a lot of the restaurants I've been in. And the fact that you are taking the time to show support and strong support for these black restaurants across the country, I'm gonna show my, I'm gonna piggyback on you. Every Wednesday, I'm gonna start, you. I'm gonna start tagging and and contacting them, get ten photos, and and say this is Rushan Eats, this restaurant I'm recommending is black owned, supported, and uh, and we go from there, man, because your book's I amazing. I really appreciate that. You're amazing, dude. I, really I, I know it's the first time we've ever talked, man, and uh, I appreciate you, and I, I value what I you're trying you. to bring to the game of a, uh, but yeah. also. Let, let, let's trade numbers, man, because you need to do a documentary, yeah. bro. That's what I do. Yes, yes, yes. That's what so I do. Is it, is I don't know you know who I am, too? but that's what I do, bro. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. But this is you, 305? You? Uh, no, I, I would, uh, uh, I'm a call, I got that 917 number. I'm going to call you back on that. I'm going to text you call on that. Call me back, and then we'll go from there. Okay, thank my brother. Sir. I appreciate you. Hey, man, uh, I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. I'm going to put this book in my newsletter, promote it on my social media. But more importantly, don't you change, chef, okay? You keep winning. Thank you so much. I appreciate that too. Thank Bye-bye. you, sir. <laughs> if you want to hear more money-making conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. <laughs>